You're listening to Bible Standard, a podcast about issues and ideas from a biblical worldview. My name is Jordan Ham. Join me as we find out what standard we live by. Meta. Pretty sure we all understand what this word means. Uh, murder mysteries, um, murder TV shows—they're—they're—they're they're, I mean, they're, they're everywhere. I mean, good grief! Netflix is filled with murder documentaries. I mean, there's whole networks of TV de- dedicated to unsolved mysteries and murders. We're fascinated by this by this topic, but do we really understand what the definition bet- between murder and kill is? Has that have that ever occurred to you? What the definition between murder and kill is? Is there even a definition, or are they basically the same word that we use interchangeably? Um, other questions are: Does the Bible talk about a distinction between murder and kill? Does God murder or does God kill? Do we murder or do we kill? That's what we'll be discussing today. Um, the, the concept between murder and kill, and what's the definition between these two? What the Bible talks about. Um, and then how that applies to our lives. And then also that even Jesus went even deeper between the actual taking of life and the actual attitude in itself of anger and how anger um, in the heart has the same effect um, that murder does. So that is what we're discussing today. So welcome back to the By What Standard podcast. Um, this is episode six in the Ten Commandment series. Um, I did a little bit different intro this time, trying something different. See what happens with uh, with this. Maybe it's cool. Maybe it's not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I but I do want to try different things here and there, and so that's why I'm doing a different intro, watching videos and some um, podcasting tips and how tos. I was just trying to improve this and see what I can do. Maybe that's a good hook to get someone drawn in. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe it's really cheesy. Who knows? We'll find out. Um, hopefully the volume is actually better this time because I improved a little bit, did a little bit of research and a little testing on my microphone. So hopefully the sound is a little more smooth and a little more, I don't know. I guess smooth is the correct word. But yeah, we'll, we'll see how that We'll see how that works. Um, I don't really have too many updates um, to really tell you guys before I get into the episode. I will say, um, I say that and then I'm going to tell you an update. I will be working on the background um, on a uh, new podcast series um, about just going through books of the Bible. And I might be going through James or Isaiah or John. I'm not sure which book yet. We're doing some prayer, praying about it, do some reading, figure out which I'm going to do. I'm actually slowly starting to, excuse me, ramp up the um, 1689 series for the London Baptist Confession of Faith. I'm starting to do research on that. It's been really cool to find out, you know, history of Baptists. Um, starting to do some background on that get get I'll probably do an introductory episode on who Baptists are why why Baptists are the way they are how they branched off from the other denominations 
and and then we're gonna go into the um actual confession of faith and that that'll probably take us let me see where's the book i had it written down somewhere it will probably take us at least shoot i might just might might just have to just 32 episodes if not more <coughs> so it's gonna be a long series so we'll see how that we'll see how that goes i might and i might stop it abruptly i don't know but i'm kind of excited for it we'll see what happens there um not too many other updates that i can think about that relate to the podcast um so yeah uh, so i guess we're gonna get right into it and start talking about the sixth commandment you shall not murder so we're going to get started right now. I'm going to read the text real quick, and then we're going to see what it has to say, and then how that the rest of the Bible helps inform us about this passage. So, Exodus 20, 13, you shall not murder. That was short. <laughs> Compared to all the other ones, like, holy cow. That was, um, that was pretty short. Um... So, I guess the question is, like I stated earlier, um, just think for a second, for yourself, is there a definition between murder and kill? Um, Are they interchangeable? Are they the same? Are they different? Or have you ever thought about it? And this is something that I knew there was a difference between murder and kill, but I didn't know extent of it in some certain areas um i knew like obviously god doesn't murder but i'm like well you know god does take away life but you know he's the giver and taker of life but then you know like let's say military like they don't they don't go out murdering people they go out killing people you know so what's the definition here like what's going on and a good definition whoops the good definition for this is um this is by the oxford dictionary um and i quote the unlawful permitted killing of one human being by another unquote so yeah it's basically taking someone's life illegally um the reason (laughs) that is is because god has given um the state um the government the right to take away life um they they bear the sword of judgment um and they get to carry out like capital punishment they get to carry out military orders um um and all that so they have the right to go off and take away life because they usually bring it in courts and systems and, and they're looking at all the information and then they make the decision to take away the life um but it's not the right for the individual person to just go out and take someone's life um so so yeah now if you have a government system that's broken, okay, let's say, you know, let's say you have a government system that's broken and they they're already bent towards killing that person and they're throwing and they're basically putting a fake trial aboard, on board just to say they had a trial, but it's all bent towards, you know, making the defendant, you know, I mean, making the uh, person guilty, I guess you'd say. Um and they say, yeah, you're guilty no matter what the inf- no matter what the evidence says. Um, then that's murder. <laughs> then the state just murdered somebody because it's unlawful that they're not holding up to law. 
But when, you know, when someone says they killed somebody and they bring it to the state and the state says, yeah, yeah, you, uh, you deserve to die. They're not killing, they're not murdering that person. They're, they're killing that person, but they have the right to, um, and the Bible backs this up. I mean, you get to see this all over the place. You can see this in, um, um, Deuteronomy, you get to see this in Exodus and you get to see this through all through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, um, so yeah, there is all there is all kinds of things that the state is allowed to do, but if the state is throwing away law, then they're actually murder, murdering somebody. Now, I'm going to probably butcher this because it's a long, <laughs> long quote here. It's a quote, but I'm just going to I'm going to read it in like chunks and kind of explain it a little bit. So I'm not going to actually quote it just because it's a lot, and I'm actually been talking through it. But got a question. Um, their their resources are really awesome. I use them all the time. They have a really good um, article here about murder. Um, it says there are two different Hebrew words, rakash, mut, and two Greek words, phanamo and apakatino. Hopefully, I'm not butchering those. <laughs> but um, th- those are two different words for murder and killing. Uh, so so the Hebrew and the Greek have two different words for murder and kill. And that should tell us something that two different cultures, two different language cultures here have two separate words for the same, um, end result of something. Someone is no longer living and how they got to that state requires a word definition. So if it says they just died, well, obviously they just died. There, there was no, um, either, either, maybe it was by accident, maybe they fell off something and they died, or just natural causes, they would say that person is no longer with us, and in their language, and they don't have life, okay? Um, but murder and kill needs an outside party intervening and taking away that life. So, somebody else took that life. Now, there's two different words to describe how this life was taken. Um, kill is um, it's just usually the overall, in, in English at least, is the overall word that we'll use. They, they were killed. He killed him. The, um, they killed them. You know, so overall kill is the overall word that we use in a broad sense. Uh, but that murder is a more um, direct, um, is a direct word that it was an actual crime that occurred they murdered them they didn't have the right to take that person's life um so it's interesting that these two different whoops drop that these two different cultures have two different words to describe murder and kill one means put to death and the other and the other one means to murder the later one is the the latter one is the one um prohibited by the ten commandments not from not the former in fact rakasha has a border definition definition than the English word murder. Rakasha also covers death due to carelessness or negligence, but it never used when describing killing during wartime. So here, <coughs> even in, um, so we're talking about the um, Hebrew word, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, Rakasha, Rakasha. I'm probably butchering that. But anyway, <laughs> um, so here, the in the Bible, obviously, we have this definition of the word murder, and it's not just like oh they killed him. It's like I said, it's um the the it also has where carelessness or negligence. So 
I know there's passages in the Bible that, you know, you're supposed to put fencing around the top of your built on house hold on a, on a split level home because that's something that they did that was a tradition thing that was a cultural thing and if you neglected to keep upkeep with that or not put one up there and someone fell off you're responsible for that person's death you have to pay the price and you may have to pay with your life but you have to give a payment due to that person other passages if you have an animal that has gone out and hurt somebody or killed somebody um the first time it occurs there's other things that will happen and they will um the councils and priests and stuff will go together and say okay they'll sort that out but if it happens again by the same animal um the animals be put to death and in, in cases you'll have to be put to death too um so there is this it's ultimately coming back on the person and onto the animal so neg- negligence and um carelessness are, are two things to um that you know you may not um, directly kill somebody um, but because your negligence or your neglect of a situation will um, be, be, in tr- be, you'll be in trouble because of that, basically. So, um, and then the um, Ratashaka, or Kasha, basically, it's hard to pronounce it because it's got it's Hebrew. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's this word here, it doesn't refer to killing during wartime. Um, so it goes on to say, that is why most modern translations render the sixth commandment, you shall not murder rather than you shall not kill. So when we're, when we're in, um, translating text into different languages, we look at as much as we can, all the, we look at the word and when people, obviously when they're translating, they know what that word means. And sometimes there's words that just do not translate very well from one language to the other. And it's kind of weird for me to think that way. I'm like, okay, well, we're describing the same thing, but in the way language goes, there's some words that are just impossible to translate just directly. There are words in Greek that we just, that there's no word in the English language that actually transfers correctly. So sometimes they have to do whole sentences just to just help describe what this word means. And so here, this word for murder is, is a separate word in the context is used differently and when they're going through scripture and stuff they can say okay this word over here and this word over here um obviously this is what it means in our english word for murder because this has the context of this this and this and this word over here means our context of kill because it means this this and this so even in the bible there is a difference between murder and killing um so so let's say the taking of a life, um, any life, a form of animal or, or human, that's just the broad sense of, you know, they died. They've, they've been killed. Um, you know, they're dead. <laughs> it's just a word that we use in English that says they're no longer with us. Um, and then we can also go down into the context. So let's say that you're, you're driving down the road right and you hit somebody now we have laws and we have you know lawyers <laughs> that will go through and they'll sort things out and they say is that manslaughter is that negligence what is going on here um but in our normal language we're not usually going to say that that person murdered them with their car it was a tragic accident and he killed them but we're not going to use that word to say he he murdered him now, if that same person saw somebody and they swerved over on purpose to hit that person directly, yeah, then we say that he murdered him with the car. 
So, so there, there, there is even in our language that we have different contexts for how we use words. So yeah, and then I guess like a third one would be um, the taking of a human life morally, um, intentionally by legal or legal, and that's just the broad sense of just a human life was taken. Um, so so I guess there's there's kind of three categories here. If I kind of sum up what I was trying to say, is that there's this there's the overall um, uh, the taking of a life of a human um, or an animal. Um, there's the taking of a human life by an accident. And then there's the taking of a human life um, morally or um, intentionally, which would be immorally, legally or illegally. So the first one, I guess, is just someone died. The second one is someone died. You're in, you didn't intentionally mean, meant to do it, but it happened. And the third one is you intentionally meant to take their life. Um, that could have been self-defense, that could have been the government doing it, or that could have also been, um, um, uh, you know, still by accident, you know, there, there's still, or to self-defense too. So, so I guess th- there's three categories that can kind of describe murder and kill or, or death in, in itself. Um, there's, find my notes, there we go. So <laughs> there's a question that me had here that, how come we don't freak out when um, a fly lands on your arm and you kill it? How come we don't freak out? How come when someone says, oh, I shot a deer, we don't go, you murderer. Okay, well, some people would actually (laughs) take it back. But the general sense, we don't go, you murderer. You know, well, why don't why don't we freak out? Because there's something um, distinctive about human beings and animals that God that God separated. And you go back to Genesis, and you get to see that God made the birds and birds and the fish and the sun and moon and stars and the land and the trees and everything. Then God made the animals, and God thought it was good. But then God has a conversation with with um, the Trinity. That has a conversation, not a conversation with Himself. That's no. God has a conversation with the other members of the training says, let's make man in our image. And, um, so they make man. So God looks at all his creations. Ah, there we go. And he's like, there's something missing here. We're going to make man in our image. And, and the man is, and the man is formed. Um, we get this intimate God. God just speaks everything else into existence, but then God comes and makes man and go, and then, you know, breathes in, into, um, into man, um, giving him, um, a soul giving him a special life source than, than any other creature um, and then sets him an authority over everything else in creation. He has authority over everything else to, to, to rule over it and subdue it. And that's his duty. And so this, this human has um, a special place that sets himself before anything else that he has an image bearingness of, of, of God. He's got a soul, so he's got an eternal aspect to him, just like the Lord. He's also got characteristics that do also reflect the creator in certain ways and here and there. Um, you know, our, our intelligent, our reasoning, our thinking, our concepts of reality, our understandingness of things, um, our relationship um, uh, desires for each other, or that we have community 
Um, there, there's, there's these concepts here that, that animals have senses of community, but not like we do. Um, so there is, the humans are distinctive because we are made in the image of God. And so therefore, um, when another animal kills another animal, we don't freak out and call the authorities. We go, oh, well, whoops, you know, that wasn't good. Um, so, but at the same time now, <laughs> what, so you have a, you have a pet dog and another neighbor's dog kills your dog. We freak out and we call authorities because the dog died, but you own that dog. So you have put your, your claim on that animal and someone else's animal took your animal's life. So there, you do have a right to freak out because that's your property that was destroyed and in compensation needs to be done because the other person was responsible for their animal and they weren't responsible because it's reflecting off of you, not off the animal personally, but it's reflecting off of you and your relationship to the dog. And it's your dog legally. And that other dog came and took your dog's life. So this is reflecting off of, off of you, um, in, in that animal. Another one would be the <laughs> tricky one for our society today. Here's another scenario. A cop takes the life of a criminal by uh, means of self-defense to protect someone else. Did that officer murder or kill that criminal? Think about that for yourself for a minute. Think about everything else. Little little modern day struggle that we're dealing with in our culture. Is that officer responsible in the in, in the context of murder? Obviously he's responsible to give a report on why the life was lost and taken, because the officer still took that life. But was that life taken legally? Or was that life taken illegally? Was he being a steward? of the state and um, being an offender of the innocent um, and, and, t- and bearing the sword that God has given him or her to protect the innocent. See, that's the concept right there that in this scenario that we need to realize that I'm not defending, and, and I'm going to preach here for a second, I'm not defending bad cops. There are bad cops out there. There are bad military members out there. There are people who are going to do bad. They're bad apples of the batch in that sense. Okay. But when an officer who carries the sword that God has given the state and he's a, and he's a uh, steward of the state, and he's there and says, okay, the state has given me this. I, I bear this sword with authority. He has the right to take someone's life um, when they're threatening the state he's protecting and the people he is sworn to protect that the state is there for. And if someone's life has to be taken, a life is going to have to be taken. Now, he may have been wrong in an instant where maybe he shouldn't have done it, maybe he maybe judged incorrectly, but when an officer does that, he's doing it. Um, because God has given him that position to, he has the right to do it. Um, 
So yeah, we do need to keep our officers in check and balanced and say, okay, you know, why did you just draw, you know, why did you draw your weapon? You know, why did you fire your weapon? Why did you, why did you do that? We have things in the system, but just think about that for a second, that God has given our officers the right to kill people. And that, it's going to be, maybe shocker, that brings God glory when when an officer, a defender of the people, protects the innocent. That brings a, that brings a glory because, because they're doing their duty. Now, it doesn't bring God glory when someone shoots someone in cold blood just because they're angry or because, you know, that doesn't bring God glory. And that goes for both sides, criminals and officers. If someone's just charging their weapon and they, and they shoot somebody to because anger or to get away with something, that does not bring glory. That brings judgment on that person, but they're not going to be held accountable because they defended the people. So, <coughs> preaching there for a second. But now let's get back on to the concept of um, murder. Why murder? Why murder? We've kind of talked about this, but I'm going to give a little more more narrowed it down, and then we're going to jump on into um, jump on into killing and justice. So I'm going, to try, I'm going to try to keep this episode short. But the reason is why not to murder is because the motive behind it is always sin. That's the reason. The motive behind murder is always sin. Cain killed Abel. Obviously, yes, we can't Cain kill, but Cain murdered Abel because the motive behind his taking his brother's life was jealousy. Cain wanted to, whoops, I knocked something down. Cain wanted the praise and approval from God because he didn't seek God first. And now he wanted the, he wanted and coveted what his brother had. So he took it for himself in the form of taking his brother's life. See, and I know, I know there's been arguments of like, oh, you know, he, he should have offered a lamb. Or he'd offered vegetables. Well, at this point, two things. There was no established offering system yet. So, so there was no offering system yet set up. That wasn't, that wasn't established until with Moses. And two, even with Moses, there's also grain offerings and fruit offerings and stuff like that. So it's not just animal sacrifices. God was concerned with Cain's heart. And Cain's heart <coughs> was not motivated to bring God, Cain just, even if Cain brought the best of his best, his motive would have been for, look, God, look what I did, not thank you, Lord, for this, for this ability that I have and the food that you've given me. Cain didn't care. He just wanted the pat on the back. David and Uriah. David should have been out in battle, but because of his lack of responsibility, he coveted and it led to murder. He coveted Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. He brought her into his chambers. He laid with her bare child to cover it up. He tried to bring Uriah. I said, hey, go be with your wife. He says, no, I will not. Find my brothers are dying in battle. So David said, ah, all right. We'll push him in the front of the battle, in the front lines where he will surely die. And he died. Um, so to cover up his sin of adultery in a sin of laziness, his sin of lack of responsibility, he killed someone to hide his footsteps and then said, oh, well, I'll marry his wife to, you know, out of sacrifice. But no, 
his sin ultimately led him to murder. David didn't wake up that day and said, ah, I'm going to commit adultery and eventually murder one of my best military members husband um husband well yeah murder sorry rephrase i'm not gonna i didn't wake up today and said ah i'm gonna you know have adultery and then murder one of my best military men see we get situations where sin will take you longer than you want to go keep you longer than you want to stay and make you pay more than you ever ever could imagine the stoning of stephen paul was responsible for the unjust execution of stephen Paul murdered, not just Stephen, but many other Christians. Think about that. Paul, one of the brightest, greatest Christians ever to walk this earth, I believe was heavily blessed by the Holy Spirit. Think about carrying that guilt on your shoulders that once you come to salvation, that you realize that you are responsible for the murder of other believers. When anger enters the heart, it can go deeper than we wish. And that's the problem with murder is the intention behind murder is the same intention with anger. So in Matthew, um, Matthew 5, 21 through 26 starts, you have heard that it was said, those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be laid to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to, liable to judgment. Whoever is insults his brother will, will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So you are, are offering your gift at the altar. And remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go first and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer it. Offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to the court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you to be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you had paid the last penny. Right there, Jesus is saying, hey, you heard, don't, don't murder. But Jesus, Jesus always goes deeper than that. Obviously, murder is way more serious than getting angry. But he's he's getting deeper. That Cain, Cain here, murder was the end result. Murder, murder was the uh, outpouring of the indwelling sin of pride and anger, and coveting. David, his murder was was the outpouring of fear and adultery and an anger on on what like oh whoops i need to, i need to fix that to cover up his sin and in paul's was of self-righteousness unbelief and then look at our lives look at our hearts where where do we have indwelling anger that causes us to lash out that way. I hope none of you listening have actually murdered somebody, but be very careful. We never intend to murder, physically murder. But remember, we're human. And look at your hands. These hands are just as capable of taking someone's life as anybody else 
on this planet. Don't get so self-righteous that you think, oh, I'll never do that. No, be careful. Because I guarantee you, you have had thoughts of murder. Maybe, maybe quick, gone in a second, wishing that they weren't there, wishing that you might have, even wishing that you might have been someone else or known someone else. I wish I never even knew them. They're all the same core concepts of murder, and this dwells in our hearts. Keep your heart with all vigilance, far from a flow that springs of life. Proverbs 4.23 Keep our hearts in the word, in prayer, focused on God, focused on the cross, look at Christ, because what comes out of the heart can either be good or bad. So, just this, you know, let's just look at ourselves and go, hmm, am I am I acting that way to my brother or sister? Is this the same attitude in there? Am I am I stabbing them? Am I choking them out? Am I am I holding this grudge against them? But then we get to look at the cross and like you said, hey, go, go repent. Go repent. Go say, I'm sorry. Can we settle this? I was wrong. Forgive me. So yeah. Think about that for a second. That that kind of like shocked me. I was like, whoa. Man. I'm I'm sinful. <laughs> so so yeah. Now we're going to be moving on after this break to the justice of killing. The justice of killing right after this break. The Baptist Catechism. Question 4. What is the Word of God? Answer. The Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the Word of God and the only certain rule of faith and obedience. Verses to back this up, 2 Timothy 3.16 and Ephesians 2.20. Brought to you by Teaching Truth and Training Hearts by Dr. Tom J. Nettles. Understand what the Bible says. All right, welcome back. So like I said, we're going to be talking about the justice of killing. Excuse me. I'm going to try to run through this quickly. I'm going to make this a shorter episode, but we'll see what we can get done. So we all crave justice. I'm pretty sure that that is a word that we're all familiar with today. Um, justice. But we all cry out for it. But do we actually know what justice is? And if we are to start understanding what justice is, do we really want justice? So we'll just dive right into it. Justice, noun, fairness, morale, righteous. A scheme or system of law in which every person receives his, hers, its due from that system, including all rights, both natural and legal. A criminal, by law, should make a payment to fix his wrongdoing. That payment may be money, time, or life. Justice. 
It's something we all crave, but do we all want it? Genesis 10, I'm sorry, Genesis 4.10, And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Abel wronged. Sorry, no. Abel was wronged by Cain. And a payment was needed. And here's the thing. It's not like Cain didn't know God warned him beforehand. Cain ignored God, took the authority in his own hands, made a God of him, of his self, made himself God, broke a relationship, and took his brother's life. That's that's the concept, and the consequence should have been death to his brother. Cain should have died, but God spared him. In God's grace, God spared him, but he gave him a punishment that nothing of the ground that he would work would bring forth any, anything. And, and, and Cain was like, what? Oh no, that's this, this is way too much. And God's like, no, this is, I'm giving you, I'm giving you grace. Should kill you too. Should kill you too. That's, that's what God should have done to Cain. He should have killed him also, but he didn't. Showed grace. Put a mark, and, and then showed even greater grace. Put a mark on Cain that said, if anybody does anything to him, may even more wrong be done to him. And see, that's that's mind-blowing. God should have killed a murderer, and he didn't. He spared him. He spared him. So, in our lives... We want justice, right? We want justice. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we all do. But do we really actually want justice? Because ultimately, as Christians, let's look at the ultimate injustice. Let's look at the cross. Look at it for a second. Think about it. What should have been done to us? That should have been us. That should have been us on the cross. We should have been hanging there, being tortured for our sins, and yet Christ took our place. That's that's not justice in ours in our eyes. I mean, think about it. Think about it for a second. Think if someone murdered your loved one. And the criminal was there. And then the judge is like getting ready to bring the sentence down on someone in the courtroom. Said, no, 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 judge. I'll take his punishment for him. And the judge says, all right. He'll take the punishment. Now, in the, in the, in the court room, in the law, justice is still being served. Someone is still paying the penalty for that murder. But you would be outraged. The person who should be punished is not being punished. Let's look at the cross for a second. Do we <laughs> do we act that way? No. We're we're just flabbergasted at this. It's called a scandal of grace. We shouldn't have been 
um, pardoned and that Christ shouldn't have done that. But since God's the judge, he can put on his son and say, oh, nope. That fine's been paid, Jordan. It's no longer on your account. In fact, I see even no blemish on your account. I see that you have been fully and 100% righteous since day one. Because it's not me, it's Christ. Christ is the one who has taken our punishment and our counts have been swapped. I now get righteousness and he got treated like me. It's amazing. It's amazing with justice. Now, we'll talk about here quick, quick things, rundowns, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave some of this stuff out. I do think they're important to talk about, but I'm not going to talk forever and ever and ever about this stuff. Executions. I know that it's a hot topic in some areas. Executions. Should we have executions or not? Um, I'm for executions because uh, within certain situations, I don't think everybody needs to be executed, but I do think in a lot of certain situations, people should be executed as long as the court system is, is being run correctly. If a life is being taken, executions should definitely be, be there. Life for life. Now, I definitely think there's scripture to back this up. Um, so let's look at the situation with, where is it? So, uh, Samuel in first Samuel with Saul and the king and King Agag as, um, so Samuel fifteen thirty three, as your sword has made women childless and you shall, and you, well, let's try this again. <laughs> let's try this again. First Samuel fifteen thirty three. As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gigal. Justice was served. Agag was a murderer. And he made women childless. And so Samuel, because Saul wouldn't, Hacked a gag to pieces, brought justice, brought justice to all the women who were made childless because of a gag. Execution was involved. Someone was executed because of their crimes, and especially crimes before the Lord. I love that it says before the Lord, and it wasn't just done; it was done in God's sight, because God sees all. But this was also done in the name of the Lord, and it was done rightly. Exodus 21, um, 14. If, however, a man acts presumptuously towards his neighbor so as to kill him craftily, you are to take him even from my altar and at, and that he may die. So even if he's at the altar, you take him out of there and you kill him. He used to die. Exodus 21, 12. Anyone who strikes a person with a fatal blow is to be put to death. Whoa, 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 whoa. Fatal blow? Man. Yeah. Because if you're hitting someone that hard, I'm going to, I'm going to guess, you know, if someone's wrestling like, okay, well, you know, let's punch each other for fun and see who gets knocked out and he dies. I don't think that situation is going to be under that. Generally, when someone's going to hit someone with a fatal blow, their intention is to kill them or at least really, really wound them. So they should die. They should die. 
the government gets this right. Romans 13, 1 through 4. Government has the right to bring justice. Leviticus 19, 15. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in all righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. So here even Jesus is saying in the Old Testament, because Jesus is the word, (laughs) everybody is to be judged equally. You don't judge a poor man because he's poor over a rich man or rich man over a poor man. You judge it all equally. So opposite to what our culture is today, isn't it? If your skin's a different color, you're going to be judged differently. I'm not going to say what color. Pretty sure you can figure that out yourself. But if one man's color is different than another man's color, he's going to be judged differently. Not, not, I'm not talking about racism here. I'm talking about how we, how our justice system is going to judge someone differently and how social media is going to judge someone differently. If you're, if you're a, Gender is different for a man or woman. You're going to be judged differently. You know, if you're rich or you're poor, you're going to be judged differently. And I'm, and I'm not talking about the woke thing here where we need to, you know, speak for the voiceless. Because I'm just going to say the wokeness here in America, we're not speaking for the voiceless. We're bringing destruction. What the Bible talks about is bringing voice to the voiceless. Because if the people that are speaking racist, sexist, genderist, I don't know, there's so many things. If they're true and they want to be completely true about what they're speaking, tell me why they don't care that an innocent baby dies before it even breathes oxygen. If we want to be completely fair, and completely level, and completely just, and completely woke, why are we not woke to that? Think about that for a second. I know there are arguments. I know I know some of the situations. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, well, this, 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 many of the resources go listen to the, I highly recommend if you've got questions and concerns about it, go to Apologia Studios, great resources for this stuff. But why does one life get to be important than the other life? Even if that life was put in, in, into being by sinful situation, why does one life get to be in charge over another life? Shouldn't. For if we're concerned about all people, all colors, all races, all you know, if if I'm going to speak their way, all genders in that situation, if we're going to speak their language, why does one person matter over another? Think about it for a second. We need to understand what the Bible says. That's why it's important. Because if we don't understand what the Bible says about certain things, we're not going to know what to do when the tough questions come up. When when the when the push comes to shove, we're not going to know what to do. When our government is starting to say, oh yeah, 
well, whatever you think is best, go do it. And then at the same time, force other people to do certain things. What are we going to do? What, what's going to happen if our government says no God but state? Or no God but whatever? Or your community says no God but what, you know, fill in the blank. And I'm not talking about, you know, we're going to stand up and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not staying there. Like I stand up in the Titan Square and say, no God, but you know, blah, blah, no, but it's going to come subtly, sneakily, you know, it's going to come in the form of, did God really say, did God really say that all men are created in his image? Man from dirt, woman from rib. Did God really say marriage is between a man and a woman? Did God really say you shall not murder? And that goes for, you know, someone who's three seconds old to someone who's 33 to 95 to 200 years old. You shall not murder. You know, does, does it go, does the Bible say that husbands love your wives as Christ of the church and wives submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ? Does the Bible really say on your parents in all these situations, even when you don't want to do something for them? You know, what does the Bible actually say? Does the Bible actually say there's really one God? Does the Bible actually say there's hell for my sin that I need to, that, that I'm going to go if I don't believe in Jesus? What's the Bible say? And I'm not, I don't want to talk in this episode. I feel like this is getting like a doom and gloom episode. Like, oh. But like, this is stuff that's serious. You know, it's, it's sad that our culture has redefined things. And that's not surprising, but it's sad that the church is starting to go, okay, well, you know, whatever you think, whatever you say, yeah, that's fine. And we don't say it. And I'm not saying we need to say it hatefully. No, we need to say it with love and patience and respect, but we need to say it with authority and sternness because we need to realize one, we were just like them. If it weren't for the grace of God, we'd be just like them. We, we'd be on a highwood hell. It is, is only by the grace of God. But at the same time, we also can't just sit there and go, well, you know, whatever you, whatever you think, whatever you want to believe, you know, you could pick Jesus, try, try him out for 30 days. Like, no, this is, we need to stand on something bigger than, than what we are. We need to understand that Christ is King. Christ is Lord. Christ has conquered sin and death. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And let's fight the good fight. Let's fight the good fight. Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just stop there for a second. That's amazing. We've been justified. We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. We're no longer enemies. We're no longer enemies. We're no longer enemies. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who did it for us. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Amen to that. Amen to that. That is awesome. And I'm going to specify too, I don't think I mentioned it in this episode, but God doesn't murder. 
Just throwing it out there. God doesn't murder. Murder requires sin. And God doesn't sin. God's a giver and taker of life. He gave the life. He can take it away. It came from him and he can draw it back to himself. He makes a choice. And sadly, because of sin, we were not meant to make that choice. It was not our design. We were not made to, we were not made. And I like what my pastor said this past weekend, and he's right. We were not made to handle this decision-making between good and evil. That wasn't our, we weren't created to understand that. We're really bad judges of good and evil. Really bad judges. I mean, look, if you go and you ask five people and, and okay, you know, if you're around your group of friends one day or in a group of people, ask everybody, what counts as speeding? Everybody's going to have a different interpretation. Some people are like 55 and even one, you know, <laughs> mile over a speed limit is, is breaking the law. And some people are like, hey, it's, it's more of a guideline. Ask. That situation where they were bad at judging. We're bad at, we're bad at that. We're not good. We don't have a good compass. We need someone outside ourselves to, to make the decision. And we weren't created for that. We weren't created to make this decision of, of taking a life, even if it's to bring justice. But sadly, we've had to be, we've have to have that decision because sin exists, but we weren't made, we weren't made for that. We weren't made, we weren't made to make that decision. So God doesn't murder. Still not there. I know that's an argument that guys try to get, that does get brought up at times with certain people. Well, God murdered. No, God does not murder. God kills. And killing is not a sin. Because do our military members murder people? Nope. They kill. They kill to protect. They kill to bring justice. No. So yeah. God does not murder. We also tack on to look at the cross. Remember that we put him there. This, this, this. Think about the crowd surrounding Christ. I was there. There's an old song or hymn. It goes, "Were you there when you when they crucified the Lord?" And the writer responds, "Yeah, I was there, but I wasn't just there as a spectator. I was there." putting the nails in his hands. I was there, whipping him, partaking into it, shoving the crown of thorns. In fact, I'm also the thorns on his head, on the stripes, on the mockers who spit and wag their heads. I'm Pilate. What is truth? When truth standing right in your face? I'm the Jewish leaders yelling out, crucify him, crucify him. Crucify the one we claim to worship. But he's not my God. He doesn't fit my box. So crucify him. Or Barabbas. Criminal. That, for some reason, the people chose the Lord over us. This is what our sin does. It's... It brought that down. I had to bring Jesus down to this planet. Take on flesh. In our place. But the beauty. The beauty of the gospel is we got to deal with this sin part. Ah, man, I'm a sinner. And then we look at the cross. 
And it, to the world, the cross is foolish, pointless. It means nothing. But to us of the hope, it's we rejoice, we cry, we laugh, enjoy, we go, yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is finished. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty. That that we that the even us murderers, even murderers at heart, get to rejoice. Because the kingdom of God is not inherited by murderers. It's not inherited by murderers. It's inherited by righteous people, but because we are made righteous in Christ, we will inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's awesome. I love you. I love when you get to read passages of the Bible and Paul's like, oh, the kingdom is not made of people like this and this and this and this. And then sometimes it's like, but once were you, you were once like this, but not anymore. And what's not practice sin? What's not sin? You know, where there's sin, grace abounds more. Yes. But what's not sin? So grace keeps abounding by no means. Let's not do that. Let's not make grace cheap. But we obey because we love Jesus. We obey because we love him because of what's happened. So yes, I'm going to read Romans 5, 1 through 12, 1, 2 again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So yeah, don't murder guys. Don't murder. Don't murder. Don't get angry. But if you do get angry, people, repent. Even if you do murder, repent. Does not mean the punishment's going to be made lesser, but repent. <laughs> Let's fight to do good. Let's fight for God's glory. Let's come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and say, let's encourage each other and help us fight this thing called sin for God's glory, for holiness. It's awesome. So yeah, hopefully you all enjoyed this episode. You know, sorry, it's a little more heavier, a little more, you know, not bouncy normally, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, um, I hope you all have a great day. The next episode will be adultery. <laughs> So that's going to be really fun. Um, So yeah. Like I said, hope you all have a blessed day. Go serve your king.